My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing pretty good. It's a good day. It's a beautiful day outside. It's nice. It's late July. No basketball to be seen, and it's uh, a little sad, but football is back around the it corner. Um, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod, and follow us on Instagram as well, at Couch GM Podcast. You can also find us on Facebook with the same name. Uh, find us on... Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, if you haven't already, and give us uh, that uh, subscription or like or follow or whatever your pl- platform of choosing is. Um, we greatly appreciate that. Matt, what happened in episode 43 to catch people up? So if you if you didn't hear it, uh, we talked a little bit about the Wizards and their offered extension for Bradley Beal, uh, why he, he probably won't do it, and he allegedly isn't. Um, <laughs> Surprise. And then uh, what that could mean moving forward for, for that franchise. And then, again, we're in our, our big division breakdown down um segment of pods so episode 43 was about the northwest division so real quick short and sweet we encourage you to go back and listen to it um, that's the nice thing about these pods is you can but short and sweet version denver um and the progression of jamal murray talked about minnesota and the the carl anthony towns andrew wiggins pairing oklahoma city's change of direction Portland and the ability of Dame and CJ to lead that team. And then finally, Utah's new roster and expectations that come with it. That was the Northwest Division, episode 43. Let's get into this episode 44. We're going to be breaking down the Central Division. As we've talked about multiple times on this podcast, or the division breakdowns, we're going to point out some notable guys, some breakout players, and um, some injury situations. And we have a couple of those. And uh, this this uh, grouping of teams, I think that's more fair to call it <laughs> than divisions because yeah. like it's kind of a divisions again. Why do we have divisions, Matt? Arbitrary, I know. It's garbage. Uh, let's let's get in right in with uh, your alphabetical order, Chicago Bulls. So yeah, you'll notice throughout a lot of these, it's an oddball collection of teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this division is just like the perfect epitome. This team is the perfect epitome of oddball. Um, last season, this team went twenty-two and sixty. Yikes. Somehow ended up with the number seven pick in the draft again. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's worked out okay the last couple with Markinen and Carter. And this year was Kobe White. So I don't know, seven, seven, seven in the lottery. Like that means something good, right? Uh, we'll see. All right. Um, so there. This is. We'll go by position. Um, this is how I think they're gonna at least start the year. Uh, it could change, but. Here we go. Point guard. They brought in Tomas Sedaransky. I think he's going to start at least at the mm. beginning of the year. Kobe White, their their lottery pick, I think will come off the bench. And then you still have Ryan Archidiakono. Shooting guard. So Zach Levine. I think Chris Dunn gets moved to shooting guard permanently. We, we move him into that Marcus Smart role. No longer a point guard. Is so like two of their point guards are now shooting guards because like mm. they tried the Zach Levine point yeah. guard experiment like Minnesota did. Turns out over two on that experiment. Yeah. And Antonio Blakeney, small forward. You brought in Otto Porter mid season last year. He'll start 
Backup will be your other first round pick from last year, Chandler Hutchinson, and then Denzel Valentine somehow still making NBA money. Um, <laughs> power forward, you'll have Lori Markinen, your $13 million per year guy from this offseason, Thad Young, and Luke Cornett. And then at center, you'll have Wendell Carter, your second round draft pick, Daniel Gafford, and finally, Cristiano Felicio swindling $8 million per year out of the Bulls. So, this team... <laughs> doesn't actually look that terrible in terms of like building somewhere but the fact that they still keep ending up in the low 20 wins every single year (laughs) brings me some concern so projections and outlook ryan am i absolutely mad thinking that this team could somehow maybe push for the eight you gotta convince me first who's on this (laughs) leadership council for the year uh but i mean like from on paper perspective like this team looks significantly better than it did last year it does um and maybe there will be some continuity with uh coach not like maybe uh having a revolving door there um it looks like they've kind of stabilized their point guard position which was a big talking point going into to last season for them mm-hmm. um and i think as long as this team i mean like we assume good health they might be able to make a move for the eight like they might be yeah. in that detroit 41 and 41 we'll talk about them later yeah. but they so this is my the eight. yeah this is my line of thinking is zach levine like you mentioned is better as not the point guard right we we just know that now he's a shooting guard and that's cool like that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but he's probably like he he needs the ball in his hands but you want like a point guard who doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time either so like tomas sadaransky they brought in on like a three for 30 deal washington again washington always somehow making the way back into this podcast decided not to match that and so he comes over to chicago so it's like he's just a really stable guy right he's, he's not gonna need 15 shots a game he'll take somewhere like 8 to 12 shots per game they'll during be good efficient shots and he'll pass the ball when you know whenever he needs to so Zach Levine will still get his touches you know part of this potential eight is based off of his still progression because he's still actually a pretty young guy yeah um it's not like he's he's 28 and, right in his prime like he's still developing Otto Porter's still like a good young player he's overpaid yes but I mean but that's a wing in the NBA yeah. right now so and you know that was just some other restricted free agency crap a couple years ago that Brooklyn again swindling <laughs> Washington into taking <laughs> just they keep coming up and then you know like you said we're assuming good health for Markinen and Carter who didn't really get to play a lot together last year because Markinen was hurt at the beginning Carter was hurt at the end there just wasn't that time to develop together but in theory that pairing could work really well together assuming the perimeter defense from all the other guys is stable so your starting lineup's not bad especially if you're just pushing for an eight and the depth isn't terrible it's not great but it's not terrible yeah i mean like there's i think i'm really high on kobe white their number seven draft pick like you said Mm -hmm. um i think he's probably gonna take a uh oh i'm uh colin sexton um route in terms of development this year probably gonna start off playing really poorly and then toward the end of the season be a competent point guard yeah 
Um, he plays really quick, and he's a lot of fun. Chris Dunn still up in the air. Are we decided? He can about- play defense. At he the can very do that. Least, he can play defense, and I think if you just have a defensive specialist on the wing, that guy's nice to have. Yeah. I don't know how much I pay him, but he's nice to have on your team, especially on still a rookie contract. Right. That's that's useful. Hutchinson's an athletic wing who's probably, honestly, should be a, a good NBA defender, at least average or above average. Thad Young, as much as we love Thad Young, Thad Young-friendly podcast, <laughs> he somehow got the Bulls to pay him a 3-for-40 deal this offseason. It's a lot of money, especially be, be coming off the bench, yeah. at least that's what we think right like there's no way he he starts otherwise like there's just no way but i mean unless you want to go like you see the uh philly going super big they're like ha watch this (laughs) zach levine at the one Otto porter at the two dad young at the three and then markinen and carter like in theory i guess they could i really hope they don't on some level, though, I want to watch it. <laughs> you know. This is the new trend in the NBA, just going ultra big. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, like, Daniel Gafford, he's from Arkansas, right? Yeah. That's the I center. Mean, rim thing. running big. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a nice guy to have coming off the bench. You don't expect a lot of production out of him. No. But um, maybe just looking for some nice first steps in his first year. Exactly. So, Maybe the eight really is like the the top end for the this ceiling. team. Yeah, but you know, I w- I wouldn't be totally shocked though if they're the in the East rankings like the tenth team. Yeah, you know, maybe even the ninth. Like that that's not totally out of the realm of possibility. But it it just depends on expectations. Making the move for Sadoransky and Thad Young tells me they're looking a little more to win now. Yeah, so. I don't know, maybe they do make that push. Maybe they're a team at the trade deadline looking to do something. I don't know. I don't know if they should be. But but here we are. Chicago just forever trying to figure out what direction they're going. Yeah, it feels like they're in that stage where they should be out of the rebuilding phase with those three number seven mm-hmm. picks, like you said. Um, but they're not in that like winning phase yet either so it's like you're in the middle of the nba which is not a great place to be tough tough spot yeah Yeah. so then our last bit here on chicago is who who are we watching for so we pointed out kobe white so maybe he does start right away but but i think more for his development come off the bench start figuring out against second units yeah what the nba is like because you'll realize pretty quickly second units are good too um and you know yes he is fast but there's a lot of fast guys in the nba <laughs> everyone's fast in the NBA. Oh, there you go i think this is the the big question can zach levine be an all-star in the east oh that's a good question um i mean there's an opportunity for him too for sure if he could have a like a breakout year this year i mean like this even Mm -hmm. elevates that team even further into that eight maybe even seven spot yeah um if he's having an all-star caliber year that's like 24 points a game maybe like five assists six ish rebounds on on a team that like is surprising to some people like like oh they're semi-competent yeah i think he's gonna get some votes i could see it it's definitely like in the realm of possibility like it's not like and the guard spot for the east is kind of weak yeah so and like with this this class like i know Kawhi usually was more of a four or a, a four word so but he's out west now yeah I, if bradley beal gets traded 
he's, he's not in the east anymore that's another spot open yeah so it's just like oh there might be just by default zach levine's in the conversation and then if he plays well he's getting votes yeah it's not it's not shocking but you're right they probably need him to be an all-star level to seriously be in the conversation for the seven or eight seed in the playoffs which it's it's a big jump for him it is but, a jump, but that would be a like a almost most improved player type of jump. It would. It depends like, on how much, but yeah. Like that Oladipo type jump we it saw. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's possible. I mean, like he started off really hot last year. Yeah, and it, I mean he cooled down, but even at the beginning of the year, I was, I was saying like I thought they paid him too much that four for eighty deal, and I, I'm still not totally in line with that deal, but I, I've backed off that a little bit. I, I see why they gave it to him. There's still a lot to build there. And last point for Chicago before we move on, I just want to see marketing and Carter play together. I want to see if this will actually work. It, to me, it's risky taking two bigs in back-to-back drafts when you have top ten picks, but they did it. And we'll see. In theory, Carter's inside presence, Markkinen's perimeter presence offensively should work. It's the defense. Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, like outside of Markkinen and Carter, they have Otto Porter was a lottery pick. Zach Levine was a lottery pick, right? And yep. now Kobe White's a lottery pick. Yeah. So they definitely have the accrued the lottery picks here. But yeah, I mean, it, it, we got to see what this this front court or the back court, whatever. I'm not good at keeping up with whatever the terminology there is. But uh, we got to see what it plays like because that, that's their core. Yeah. Those are their dudes. Yeah, figure out if you have something going forward or not. Talking of going forward because this, this next team, they can only look going forward because <laughs> there's nothing happening this year. It's Cleveland. So last season, Cleveland went 19 and 63. Yikes. Somehow, though, they only got the fifth pick in the draft uh, with that. Shout out to the new reformed lottery odds and they picked Darius Garland with that number five pick who was supposedly their guy the whole way no matter what pick they got but that's that's easy to say so if you're telling me they got the number one pick they weren't gonna take Zion sure um (laughs) Zion changes things um I think but Darius Garland's I guess a decent consolation prize so this team we're gonna run through their situation similar to how Chicago because I feel like Chicago had some more promise for this year than this team does so point guard I think Colin Sexton returning from last year is going to still be the starting point guard technically. Jordan Clarkson's a backup, and you have Matthew Delvadova. You brought him back. Shooting guard, I think Garland's just going to start the year. You don't draft him at number five and then sit him. Considering what this team has on its roster, you got to start him. So we'll see that backcourt right away. And then Dylan Windler and Brandon Knight will be your backup guards. You have Jetty Osman and Kevin Porter Jr., who is your 30th pick in the draft of this year. At small forward, Kevin Love and John Henson at power forward. And then Larry Nance, Tristan Thompson, Ante Zizic at your center position. So not a ton of depth on this team. Um, This really weird young backcourt of undersized guards. Because there's like real speculation. Colin Sexton's like not six foot. Like, like this team is yeah. small on the one, two, three. I think Kevin Love is on this team. Like somehow that's weird. <laughs> um, getting paid. So this is the most obvious thing in the world. Projections for this team tank. Yes. I mean there there's no other expectations for this team than that, right? I mean I would think so, but that you know. 
Tristan Thompson, I think, had the quote last year that they East ran <laughs> through Cleveland. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what internally their expectations are, but externally it definitely should be let's lose a whole bunch of games but remain competitive and let's get our young guys some minutes. Yeah. Let's just let Darius Garland, Colin Sexton just chuck shots yeah. as much as they want to get Windler out there to, to just take 30-footers, Kevin Porter Jr. to take any efficient twos. Like, <laughs> let's get him out there. So, we're not going to spend a ton of time on Cleveland. So, does Kevin Love get traded? I think that's one of the bigger points for this team, this rebuilding team, whether they want to be or not. Because I think there's no quote-unquote super team, I would tend to say yes. Because that the, there's going to be one team at the trade deadline looking around the league saying, like, what can we do to push ourselves mm-hmm. over the edge? And I think Kevin Love is going to be the answer for someone. Yeah. I don't know if it's the right answer, but it'll be an answer. Yeah. You know. What do you think? I, I think he does... If we're talking about within a year from now, yes, he's going to get traded. I, I do think that for sure. It's a, Is it going to be this trade deadline? Is it going to be before that? Is it going to be once the draft comes back around for 2020? I hope it's not that long. Because I still think Kevin Love can be like a very useful high-end NBA player. Absolutely. He's not, he's not number one on championship team. He's not number two. He's probably number three. He gets paid like a number one or two. That's unfortunate. <laughs> but, I mean, Cleveland gave him the money. He rightfully accepted it. Yeah. So, I'm just, you know, it's like, I, I bet there's going to be a team. You're right. I bet there's going to be a team this year who says, like, we need that extra guy. And knowing that the next year's free agency class isn't particularly good, I could see between now and then, whether it is during season or not, someone's like, this is the time to put the chips in. Like, expiring deals, draft picks, that kind of a thing. Let's go get Kevin Love. Because Cleveland can eat money. Like, that's, yes. that shouldn't be an issue. Right. Just, just take it, get draft picks, and hope that some of them start hitting. Maybe quit drafting guards all the time. But, you <laughs> but know. But they have Larry Nance Jr. Um, I think the team that's been most reported about, rumored, is uh, Portland. We talked about them in the yeah. last podcast. Um, they have some contracts there that could be easily flipped, like uh, <clears throat> Hassan Whiteside. Yeah, I know. Just end the year, get him off the books, and that's that. Draft pick wise, you know, Portland's probably not giving you great picks just because Portland's a good team. Right. But, you know, on some level, like. If you can get a draft swap, though, like in 2024 or something yeah, like say that. Yeah, down the line, get one of the young guys, like uh, Nasir Little yeah. or, or someone like that. Like, I think that'd probably be a pretty smart move at this point in time. So, you're right. Like, they're a decent pick. There's some others you can come up with, play around with. But I, I do think Kevin Love's got to get traded at some point. Um, and then, last point, and it goes along with this is at what point is this team just an asset acquisition mode because right now according to this roster they've only got 13 guys on and that i'm I'm not putting in two ways or or stuff like that like those guys don't really count to me so you have a couple roster spots to just take in guys that whether that's kevin love trade tristan thompson trade are they already an asset acquisition or you let this play out for just a little bit what do you think Ooh, um, I mean, I, if I were the GM, if I were sitting there, I would want to, you know, take on a bad contract or two. But with those picks, like we kind of just talked about, I think that's what you got to do with this team, yeah. right? 
Like, there's no other... I would say, yeah, once you get past game, like, 15, like, if, if this team really isn't showing much promise together, even to, like, like reasonably build, be like, yeah, let's go ahead and take on a... Larry Nance, you're gone. Tristan Thompson, you're gone. Yeah. Kevin Love, if the right deal's out there, you're gone. And, yeah, just start taking on stuff for picks now if they start like 10 and 5 or something like that that's a different like, story let it roll a little yeah. bit let it flame out eventually you know get to that 30 35 game mark and then start selling it off but you know i think fans in cleveland would like to see like competitive basketball for at least a little bit so if it's there at the beginning roll with it a bit right and maybe that actually helps the assets like look no this guy's good he just it's it's just the, not the right time and situation for him here in cleveland so high so yeah that's that's probably best case scenario for cleveland this year is get back into that top five of the draft and and figure out another pathway don't draft another guard please yeah i mean there's gonna be guys up there so we'll see let's move on to detroit talking about an oddball team there we go again uh last season 41 and 41 first round playoff exit the hands of Giannis, mercifully (laughs) Uh, yeah because he didn't want to play at all in that fourth quarter um so this team one i'm not sure what their starting lineup is going to be just straight up um they have some different pathways they could go this is how i would do it starting lineup reggie jackson bruce brown luke Kennard, blake griffin andre drummond that way reggie doesn't have to be like the point guard point guard bruce brown can kind of be that luke Kennard can just be a shooter reggie jackson can just be an attacker and then blake and andre can do whatever they do on the inside Post up at the same yeah. time. Uh, backups, you brought in Derrick Rose, so that's a thing. Um, you have Langston Galloway, Svi Mikhailu, your draft pick from this past year, Seiko Demboye, and then you brought in Markeith Morris, probably to be your backup center at this point. And then you got some reserves, Tim Frazier, Davidis Servetus, Tony Snell, Christian Wood, Thon McCurr. So really, not a terribly deep team at all. <laughs> it falls off really quick. Yeah. Um, you have Blake Griffin. Uh, your lottery pick, though, is the same position as Blake Griffin. And you still... I really don't know if you actually believe Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin can work together. Like, on a basketball court, functionally, past, like, a 7 or 8 seed. Yeah, it feels like there is that ceiling on this team. Um, Blake Griffin, like, somehow limped got this team to limp into the playoffs which i honestly that didn't get enough credit like that was truly amazing yeah to get that team there um and it's quietly like blake griffin had a huge leap in like the way he was playing he yeah. was like this like point forward yeah type hitting play. threes like this dude was like the real deal yeah he was taking like step back threes he and was. hitting them consistently yeah. no one was talking about it i we talk. I mean, we've talked about it with Chicago. I don't like your two best players effectively being your two big guys, power forward mm-hmm. and center. I know Blake's more than a power, just a power forward, but man, it like the he's not three, a Ben Simmons power forward. Yeah, like he he is a bigger power forward. Right. And that's a, that's a key difference there. And like the one, two, three on this team, like outside of. Derrick Rose, like, I don't love. And yeah. even then, Derrick Rose is like a, like, needs the ball point guard, mm-hmm. shoot first point guard, which is fine, but like, oh man, this team is. Who's going to help their teammate get involved in the game? Like, who's going to make sure everyone's getting touches, everyone's like, 
trying on defense. Who's going to be that guy? Dwayne Casey, I guess. I get. I don't know. Like, it's not Reggie Jackson or Derrick Rose. They don't even like yeah. Reggie Jackson anymore. Yeah. So, like, there there are some very real issues. Like, who's going to bring everyone together and be like, we're not losing this game right now. Yeah. We're, it's the third quarter. The other team's going on a run. We're putting a stop to it right now. Like, I just don't see that in this team. That's why probably 7-8, they're, they're top end. But I would say it's not guaranteed. There's a no. real chance this team is, like, the 9 or 10 in the East, and you miss it. At that point, what's Blake Griffin thinking? <laughs> I want out. I'm gone. So that's why, like, the big questions are, like, can you really win with no guards? Because that's essentially what they're going to try and do. Yeah. Derrick Rose is maybe your best guard. Maybe that, honestly, I'm a Bruce Brown guy. I really like Bruce Brown. I, but can you win with no guards? And then... Just for funsies, Ryan, let's start out this question. Is Derrick Rose a better basketball player right now than Reggie Jackson? Absolutely. <laughs> I take that 10 times out of 10. And like, Derrick, like, what is Reggie Jackson, like, legit bringing to this team? I know. I, you know, I, I want to say Reggie Jackson is not a terrible NBA player, but for, for what he's worth and, like, the... The intangibles that he doesn't bring to a team, it makes me like really question like whatever he does bring basketball wise, is it basically just negated by like the everything else? The ad- yeah, the like locker room issues, the kind of the attitude, like thinking attitude. you're the best player on the team. Yeah, I like I get that you gotta like to an extent have that mentality. Like I I am a good basketball player, but like it's been to the detriment of this team multiple times. Yeah. Ish Smith was a better point guard for this team I than think. Reggie Jackson. Yeah. And they lost Ish Smith. Now you're filling him in with Derrick Rose. Hey, where'd Ish Smith go to? Washington. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Washington comes back in. It's like the haunting of this podcast, know, right? the Washington Wizards. Uh, I, here's a more interesting question. Would you rather have your team on your team, Reggie Jackson or Jeremy Lin right now? Probably Reggie Jackson. But you but, had to think about but it. But I did. I did have to think about it. Just <laughs> Jeremy Lin's just limited age-wise now. And, like, athletically, what he can do. Like, Reggie Jackson, like, there's still, like, some small glimmer Because he's, of like, hope. what, 28? Something like that. Yeah. 28, 29. So he's in the prime of his career. Yeah, like, you can see, like, he still has, like, a good, like, first step. He can still, like, get to where he wants to go. But... He just tries it way too often. He's very predictable. He just doesn't do a good job of making sure, like, this is the best shot, so I'm going to take it. He just kind of like, ah, oh, I'm quote-unquote open. I'm going to take it. Like, he, he just doesn't think through the game the way I'd want Yeah, uh, a point guard to. But, like, there's still talent there. There's still athleticism there. And as a coach, like, I would want him on my team and hoping to reform it. But at this point, he's been in the league like 10 years now, 8 years now. Yeah. So you yeah. maybe maybe you think, like, this is just who he is. And, and in that case, I'm not, not a huge fan. Yeah. You're kind of past that, what we were talking about with Zach Levine. Like, he's young. Like, he can still, like, mm-hmm. there's still upside there. It's like, this is who this dude is at this point. Probably, um, yeah. But I don't know. Like, it's just such a odd situation. They've tried to trade him the last two trade deadlines, and it just hasn't worked out. But he's expiring now. So hopefully, maybe they can trade him. Yeah. 
once December 15th passes and half the league can get traded again. Maybe. I And I think it'd be a nice, like, swan song to see Derrick Rose starting again yeah. in the NBA um, for a goodish team. Maybe we'll get there. Maybe we won't. Let's go and move on to a slightly less depressing team. Uh, <laughs> let's go to Indiana. So last season they were forty-eight and thirty-four, um, but because of that Oladipo injury, they got bounced by Boston in the first round. Um, that was unfortunate because they were a good team. Like they should have been. A, in theory, they should have been a second-round team. Yeah, a really hard-nosed team that just made a, a fun series out of it. And that Boston series, for anyone not a Boston fan, was not fun. I enjoyed it, but <laughs> uh, I can understand why most people didn't. This team, um, the starting lineup we'll, we'll throw out there is not complete because Oladipo's not in it. There's a chance he's not back till mid-December. So, you know, maybe he he gets back in sooner than rather than later, but we're assuming they they're precautious cuz they have a good team around him still that can probably still win games. Feast on the Clevelands of the world. Yes. Um early on in the year. So, this team starting lineup without Oladipo is probably going to be something like Malcolm Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb who you brought in, Justin Holiday, DeMontis Sabonis, Miles Turner. So three new guys starting for this team. I'm okay with it though cuz they're good players. Backups will probably be something like TJ McConnell, Aaron Holiday, their first round pick from uh, the other year, Doug McDermott, TJ Warren, who you traded for at the draft, and your first round draft pick, Goga Bidatze. And then you'd have Edmund Summer, uh, Oladipo, Jakar Sampson, Alizé Johnson, and TJ Leaf still on the back end of your bench. So you're a good like 11, 12 deep on this team. So that's why you're probably not rushing back Oladipo. And that starting lineup we mentioned, like that's a very Nate McMillan team. That they're going to shoot some threes, they're going to pass the ball, they're going to play a lot of defense, and they'll win the game 90-84. to <laughs> Just the way Indiana basketball should be played. Always right? has been played, right? Um, so that's enough to, I mean, it, a win's a win. Yes. So they're, they're going to take as many of those as they can get early on without Oladipo. Projection or outlook, though, for this team, it's probably somewhere between a three and a six, just depending on, one, when Oladipo comes back. Yeah. And then, two, like, how decent can they be without him? Yeah. This feels like Portland of the East, like, Mm -hmm. to me. Like, uh, just really kind of, like, a deep team. Like, just, Mm -hmm. like, always there in that three spot, three, six spot, three to six spot, but always plays hard and... It's a nightmare to play them. Yeah. And so that's that's kind of where I'm at with them. Um, so obviously the big question is how long to Oladipo returns. But since we can't really answer that, how do you think Brogdon's going to handle just being the point guard? It's going to be interesting to see him take that step this year because he was like Milwaukee's, what, second best player in that conference finals? Felt like it. Um, but he's going to be the guy for a minute. And yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how he handles that. Um, I think he's going to be fine. I mean, like, dude can play make and pass the ball well and shoot. So I don't see why he can't make that transition. But, I mean, yeah, 
theoretically you should be able to make this transition doesn't mean you will be able to make that mm-hmm. transition because in milwaukee there was always the eric bledsoe like if if for some reason bledsoe was struggling bring in brogdon if yeah. brogdon you know needed some time not running the point guard bring back in bledsoe or george hill or something like that now well malcolm brogdon's getting paid 20 million dollars a year now yeah. there's no like Oh, let's just give TJ McConnell the ball for a little yeah. bit. Like, no, he's getting paid like three million dollars a year. You're getting paid twenty. Like, you're supposed to like be the guy right now with the Produce, ball in your hands. Yeah. yeah. So whether that means putting the ball in the bucket or finding teammates or just being like a Pat Beverly, Marcus Smart type of guy, where like you're just getting everyone else involved playing defense and you'll score whenever the opportunity is just like wide open layup. So yeah, I'm interested to see like just how much they they handle that, and also knowing like he's had some injuries in the past. Like that's a real thing with him. Like, do you feel the need to balance his minutes at all? Like, are you trying to like cap his minutes at like a certain amount? I hope not, because I really just want to see him and Jeremy Lamb out there, and then whenever he returns, Oladipo, and just going full stop. Let's just be the most athletic and physical backcourt, you know, one, two, three, and the NBA and just wreak havoc. That's what I want for this team. It's going to be a really fun once Oladipo gets back because this team could quietly, I think, sneak up. I mean, it snuck up on us last year. We had yeah. them, like, on a tier below, like, Boston. And we had, like, Boston yeah. and Philly as, as our top teams. They were, like, the two before yeah. Oladipo got hurt. And, like, if he comes back, they could easily make a run at the two. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's, like, out of the realm of possibility. Like, if Philly's taking a little bit to figure it out, Boston's taking a bit to figure it out, Brooklyn's taking a bit to figure it out. Like, there's that real chance if they can hold on well without him, and then when he comes back, he's Victor Oladipo, like, pretty much immediately. You're right. Like, that's that's reasonable. It's the, I mean, absolute top end of, yes. of it. But it's not out of, the, out of the realm of possibility. And that tells you a lot about this team, how they've been constructed, how good of a coach Nate McMillan like really is and then that tells you how good Oladipo is like he's not an MVP candidate but if he's healthy that's a definite all-star and he won most improved player like you mentioned earlier like he's a, a real star in the NBA it's taken him a little bit to get there but he's there yeah, and he's like still young. Like that's the yeah. upside. Like he's, it feels like he's been in the NBA forever, but he's like what 25, 26, something like that. Real quick, but yeah, like maybe even twenty seven. So let's see here. He is twenty. He just turned twenty seven. So yeah, I mean, like he's just entering in the prime of his career at the point like coming back from an injury like mm-hmm. you ha- have to feel pretty good about that not only as a coaching staff but as a front office like you feel really good about this team and especially in the east you feel like there's an opportunity for your team to make a deep run mm-hmm. you should you should feel really good the last thing on them on indiana is will this turner sabonis front court work out because <laughs> the question is in in a different terms can you play two centers on the court at the same time? We're going to see Philly try it too. So it's not like they're the only ones. And maybe that's what gave them the confidence to say, like, because they've already said, like, that's going to be the starters are those two guys. Did Philly give them that confidence? Be like, yeah, sure. What the heck? I don't, I just don't, I don't like this. Like <laughs> we've talked, what is this? The third team where we've had like, a, like to, I don't know. It feels like a lot of teams have been trying this. It's crazy to me yeah. that you're going to try to roll this out. They've had this issue before. 
Utah experienced this last year with Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. Those mm. players, I think it's a comparable situation here. Both of those guys are pretty limited in their role, just like Turner and Sabonis are limited in their role. It's not like Blake Griffin where he can kind of play more of a point or a point guard type yeah. of position distributing the ball. I think they're going to have to pick and choose, right? Like they have to pick and choose one of these guys eventually. I think so. And so part of me thinks like, okay, what a, like spacing wise, can this like really work on this team? So, you know, Sabonis a little bit because he played with Oklahoma City that first year. You were familiar with him a bit. Yes. He, he the way he's played, though, has significantly changed. All right. And so that's what I want to point out. So when he was in Oklahoma City that first year of his career, he took 159 three-point attempts that year. He shot 32%. It's not terrible for a rookie big in the NBA who really wasn't a shooter shooter right. in college. His first year in Indiana, then, his next season, he only took 37 threes. Made 35%. This past year with Indiana, he was 9 for 17 from 3. He's taken a tenth of the amount of threes Oklahoma City was asking him to take. And it shows, like, he is a much more efficient player now because he's not doing something he's not good at. Yeah. I mean, it always looked uncomfortable for him to be swinging out to that corner in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City. Uh, and you could t- never, you could see he was never comfortable with it. Um, now when he's doing it, I mean, like, what is that? Like over 82 games, 17, that's like what? 0.2 per game or something like that. Like you're not even taking a temp per game. I don't know. I feel like, again, like I want my fours to be able to stretch out to that and shoot. And that's what that young was for this team last year. Exactly. And so I, okay. If if he's not going to do it, can miles Turner, even though he's the five kind of be that way, miles Turner, he's been in the NBA for four years. His first year, he averaged 0.2 attempts per game. The next year, it was one and a half. His third year, it was 2.4. This past year was 2.6 attempts per game. So like he's taken, maybe he'll he'll start taking three a game right th- this season. But if you're only taking three and a half threes a game between your four and five slots, that just doesn't seem to work anymore in today's NBA. It doesn't feel like it. Like unless you're just making a whole bunch of dunks and layups, which Sabonis like is super efficient. Like you touched on earlier when we talked about him, but like Turner, like in that, going back to that Boston series, last time we saw him play, he disappeared a lot. He did. Um, that's saying like, if his jump shot then wasn't falling, it was like, what do I do? Right. And yeah, he'll block a lot of shots still. Like that's not a problem. Like he averaged 2.7 blocks per game, but like blocks only mean so much. You know, in a course of a game, like, how is your perimeter defense actually doing? Like, are you letting guys buy you or not? And then off, on the offensive end, like, if he's like, all right, my hit, my three is not hitting. I got to go inside. You're going to go inside and Sabonis is already inside. <laughs> that's just, it just doesn't work, like, spacing-wise. Yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's the crux of it. Like, it, it's just, like... It just doesn't work, and maybe that's why they went out and got T.J. Warren the night. Was it the draft night or night before the draft? Yeah, they traded like the thirty-second pick or something like that. Yeah, I mean, maybe that the idea is that okay, both of these guys start. Like, yes, they will start the game, but then three minutes in, like T.J. Warren's coming for Sabonis. Yeah, there's not a lot of actual game time overlap with Sabonis and Turner. They only end up playing ten minutes a game together. And maybe that works. Yeah, and and it very well could. It's just 
I, I'm assuming Sabonis would be the first guy pulled. Yeah. Is is he okay with that? You know, it's it's just going to be a balancing act from there. And then is your power forward depth all of a sudden kind of shot? Because TJ Warren's having to play a ton. Are you having to play Doug Dermott at the four a little bit more? Why'd you draft Goga Patate at the number 18 pick if he's going to play five to ten minutes a game when I actually think he's more NBA ready than most guys drafted ahead of him and just create some real questions and knowing Sabonis is in the last year of his rookie deal makes you wonder like where's this team going with these guys moving forward yeah it feels like signaling that they're gonna have to choose after this season. You already signed Turner, so maybe you think of him more as a, a tradable yeah. guy than Sabonis, because Sabonis' contract is just such a low number right now. So it's either trade Turner or I don't know, package Sabonis with something if you're if you're trading him. Yeah. But you might just let him walk too, and that that seems not like the right move, but. I, I don't know. I'm not that team's actually done some pretty good front office moves, so I'm gonna trust them for now. Like the T.J. Warren deal, the Oladipo deal, the Brogdon signing, the Lamb signing. Like they've done some good things, so I'm gonna trust that front office to make another smart decision here. So that leaves one more team in the Central Division, Milwaukee. Of all these teams, we got Milwaukee left. Last season went 60 and 22 before they got run over by Kawhi in the Eastern Conference Finals. So this team has a little bit of turnover. Their starters will be mostly similar. You've lost Brogdon, but that will be replaced by essentially kind of like a trade here with Wes Matthews. Yeah. Um, so starters will be Eric Bledsoe, Wes Matthews, Chris Middleton, Giannis, and Brooke Lopez. I like that they were able to bring back a lot of continuity. On this team, your backups, you'll have George Hill. You're able to bring him back. You brought in Kyle Korver, Pat Connaughton, Ursan Ilyasova, and the other Lopez brother, Robin Lopez. And then the end of this bench will look something like Rajon Tucker, Dante DiVincenzo, Sterling Brown, DJ Wilson, who could get some real minutes for them. And they brought over Dragon Bender, who Phoenix let go. And I don't know, a little reclamation project there. So this, sure, take a shot. But Dragon Bender is not what matters on this team. Um, <laughs> we're, we're worried about uh, the starters of this team, the, the high-end upside, including Giannis. So that's why they're, they should be, again, going for being one of the top three teams in the league, fighting for a championship. Like That needs to be the realistic expectation, knowing how this past year went, knowing the very unfortunate ending that Kawhi brought them to, and now looking forward like... They brought back just about everyone that they financially could. Yeah, I mean, they did everything they could to keep this team together. Um, I think bringing back Chris Middleton, it's as some people think he's going to be overpaid, but I think it was the right move to pay him, pay him that much. I think this team is still probably the best team in the East. Yeah, until Philly proves differently. I think this is still the best team. Which is crazy because, like, you look at this and, like, it's not like this team is super deep. Like, there's a whole bunch of good collective players yeah. on it. But, like, Gian- it just speaks to how good Giannis is. Exactly. And that's one of the big questions is Giannis, is he going for a second MVP this year? Back to back. I would love to see it. 
just like dunk all over James Harden for coming yeah. out and saying like, oh, I need back-to-back MVPs. Yeah, I know. Uh, that'd be gold. And hey, we saw right there towards the end of the playoffs, um, those last couple rounds, like Giannis is starting to get a three-point shot. It may not be fully there yet, he, but hit, it's coming. He hit 40% against I Boston. Know. It wasn't a lot of attempts. It was mostly wide open. It was mostly at just the top of the key straight on. But I don't care. Like that, if, if, <laughs> if it's that, going in, it's if, going in. If that starts happening, like it's like people have been saying it, it's a wrap. So, and I wouldn't be surprised. Like you brought in Wes Matthews, Kyle Korver, like just more shooters that can help him on the court, but also help with mentoring him and teaching him. I that's that's a real team, and to think like you were able to bring in Wes Matthews, Kyle Korver, and Robin Lopez for a combined like seven million dollars. I mean, I know losing Brogdon hurts, but that's a pretty good, like, substitute for the money. I think the biggest thing here is that you stole Robin Lopez away from the leadership council on the Chicago Bulls. (laughs) Sabotaging an in-division team, (laughs) right? Because that's what's going to sabotage the Bulls. That's what the NBA is all about. I know, just pettiness. I love it. Um, You mentioned Middleton. Yeah, will he prove his worth? I think that is still a big point, but you do that signing for Giannis. My, My one really interesting contract for this team is the Eric Bledsoe deal. Now that he's not in a contract year again, what are we going to get from Eric Bledsoe? They re-upped him early on, like mid-season. Yeah, I think they're going to come to regret that signing. (laughs) Like legit, like... I think you almost borderline got to trade him. <laughs> like, right. it sounds crazy, but, like, is it that crazy? Yeah. Oh, no, it's not. It's not, like, a terrible contract. It's, like, 18-ish million dollars per year, something like that. Um, so it's not the worst deal ever. But if if playoff Eric Bledsoe from this past year, which was not good, is Eric Bledsoe just in the regular season this year because that's just – true Eric Bledsoe then yeah like there's some real concerns like is he a starter for a championship team and I could see you know them reasoning no he's not and they go do something different and you're right trade or, or whatever but I don't know how many people are going to be looking to deal with the Bucks because there's what draft assets are you getting from the Bucks that are going to be any good yeah um, unless you think Giannis is going to leave and at that point, all the draft picks you would want after 2021. Right. Because that's when he's eligible to, to get gone. So maybe there's a deal to be done, but there's not a ton of quote-unquote tradable assets on or tradable contracts or assets on this team besides Eric Bledsoe and maybe DJ Wilson. Like They just don't draft. They don't do drafts. They're late in the draft. That's just who they are because you're so good. Yeah, that's the tough thing is, like, they've elevated pretty quick. I mean, they've hit on some dudes, but, like, they've essentially acquired all of their core, like Brooke Lopez, free agent last year. Yeah. Uh, Eric Bledsoe was in a trade with the Suns. Like, Giannis was the only guy really drafted by them, yeah. right, outside of Middleton? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and literally everyone else um, was acquired, like, via trade or something, free agency. Besides end of the bench, Dante DiVincenzo, DJ Wilson, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, if the, if that's your identity, sure, trade all your draft assets after 2021. It can't hurt you, right? Sure. Hey, right? In, in, like, 2023, there's only, be like, four teams with a draft pick. 
<laughs> She's going to be cycling like four teams over and over and over again. Oklahoma City, uh, like, I don't know, Cleveland, because why not Cleveland? Get some picks. And yeah. uh, New York's going to sell all their draft picks off to someone yeah. for something. Illegal. Boston will somehow come up with yeah. 15 draft picks. Um, it'll be great. So, this is the last big interesting question for this division, the central division in the Eastern Conference, is if we put an over-under bet at two and a half playoff teams for this division, so that's Chicago, Cleveland, Detroit, Indiana, Milwaukee, taking the over or the under, two and a half. I'm going to go with the under again. (laughs) Brutal. Like, I just don't. I just don't see Chicago making the leap this year. And I don't think... I think Detroit's going to regress. I don't love their roster when you look at it. It just doesn't feel right to me. Um, But that... I mean, maybe Blake Griffin just has another incredible season. Yeah. And gets them into the playoffs and ruins my under. I'll take the over on this one. It's essentially by taking the over, I'm betting on one of Zach Levine or Blake Griffin. Just figuring out how to get their team there on some level and again i'm not saying they're gonna be a good playoff team but the last team i i could see it so i'll take the over i think this first one we were different on taking the over under um for playoff teams in a division so we'll see um i just need one of those guys to do something this year very well neither could but <laughs> let's show some confidence in the central division i have zero <laughs> Zero. Absolutely zero. Matt, do you want to add anything else before we end off this uh, condensed podcast for us? It was. It was a short one. we got things to do, places to go. Yeah, we do. At least you do. I don't. <laughs> Today's my day off. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod and uh, find us on Instagram, Couch GM Podcast, and on Facebook as well. Uh, leave us a rating on uh, one of the your podcast platforms, and we would greatly appreciate that. This has been episode 43. We're going to be or excuse me this is episode 44 we've been firing off too too many podcasts all in one week uh we're gonna have episode 45 at the end of the week talking about which division matt we will move on to what's that the pacific that's the one with like all the california teams yeah yeah okay this is gonna be a hot take podcast then so uh thank you so much for listening and don't forget to tune in to episode 45 later this week Yeah.